good ideas tend to be voluntary, not mandatory. You want a job? Well, just give up your right to sue us at any time ever for anything, whatever we do to you. Hi, I'm Scott Ott with Bill Whittle and Stephen Green, and this episode of Right Angle is brought to you by the members at BillWhittle.com. Gentlemen, that's the case in several cases coming before the Supreme Court this month, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. While you've got a moment, folks, why not give us a little encouragement by liking and sharing (laughs) this video in whatever way you find appropriate. <laughs> Thank you. So many so, ways to share. Each according to his ability. That's right. <laughs> to each according to his need. We need you. Anyway, uh, here's the deal. There are several cases coming before the Supreme Court this month, including one called Southwest Airlines versus Saxon, that get at the issue of whether employers can mandate arbitration as a way to resolve differences between employees and employer. Currently, most employment contracts actually require that. An employer can say, look, if you want a job here, all you need to do is sign away your right to take us to court, (laughs) no matter what we do to you, now, in the future, whatever. And so I'm being a little loose with the description here, but that's basically it. There is a law that was passed in 1925 called the Federal Arbitration Act. And the idea of the act at that time, gentlemen, was that in cases where arbitration was an option, they wanted to make sure that the federal judiciary honored the decisions that were come up with by arbitrators. So they wanted to make sure that those had the force of law because companies were uh, going into arbitration with other companies and were making these agreements. They wanted to make sure that they could hold up in court. Um, but as a result, in that uh, in Section 1 of the 1925 Federal Arbitration Act, uh, it talks about um, who is exempt from this arbitration act, from mandatory or forced arbitration. And they listed seamen, like people who work on boats, as well as uh, railroad employees and others involved in transportation. Um, This is actually the bone of contention in this Southwest Airlines versus Saxon case because Southwest Airlines is arguing that a woman who was a supervisor over the people who were loading planes is not actually in transportation because she's not driving the plane. And even though she was occasionally loading the plane herself because of a shortage of workers and was not getting paid overtime when she did so, she doesn't have a right to sue them. They've got to go to arbitration. Uh, Stephen Green, the problem with arbitration is, according to, um, I think it's the Economic Policy Institute that did a study of these, it found that if an employee goes to arbitration versus suing in a federal court, they're about, they have about a 21% chance out of 100 of actually winning that case. But if they take them to court, that uh, the odds go up to 36%. If they win the case, they usually make about $36,000 in, re- in the award from that case if they do it through arbitration, but $176,000 if they actually take them to court. And Steve, the question I'm going to ask today is really broader than this court case and the the three court cases that are going in, which could come down to a question so narrow as what is a transportation worker? But my question is broader. Why should I have to sign away my right to sue just to get a job? Oh, because the law is an ass. (laughs) <laughs> as we know all too well. There is a there is a broader issue here, an even broader issue, I should say, than why should you have to, to, to give up your right to sue in order to get this job? And I'll I'll get to that in a sec. That 
uh, that said, there's this even broader issue. Well, actually, there are two of them. I'll let Bill get to one because it's a it's a favorite hobby horse of his, and that's the uh, the Commerce Clause. Now it's been all stretched out of recognition. Uh, the other is is equal protection, and this this idea that Congress has an interest, and thus the courts have a responsibility to determine the iner- the the uh, uh, minutia of a job description. I mean, this is this is so ridiculous. This is a Congress in 1925 saying that if you have this job or this job, then you are not subject to these requirements. And okay, where did my equal protection go if I don't have this job or that job? But then because of the vagaries of the law, here we are almost 100 years later, and the Supreme Court has to determine what a transportation worker is. This is ridiculous. This is why we've been saying, who, who, is, the, who is the Greek or the Roman who said the law is an ass? I, I, I can't remember who it was, but, you know, it's, it's, it's a sentiment that Asosceles. goes back 2,000 plus years. I'm sorry, what was that, Bill? Asosceles? Was it Asosceles? <laughs> it might have been. Anyway, uh, whoever it was. This, it was Ascalus, I believe. <laughs> this has been an aphorism in Western thought that's at least 2,000 years old, maybe, maybe 3,000, because it's so very, very true. Um, you know, there's probably, if, if, if our union laws weren't so messed up in this country, there'd probably be a, a role for unions to play in this, a positive role. I mean, and let me tell you, I'm no fan of unions. In uh, 1976, my uncle was volunteering for Missouri's right to work campaign. You know, there'd be a constitutional amendment for the state of Missouri that you wouldn't have to uh, to join a union in a union shop if you didn't want to. Uh, it went down to defeat. Missouri was uh, much more Democrat and blue collar at the time. Uh, but Unions don't work like that so much in Germany or Japan, the two examples that, that come to the top of my head. In fact, I believe there's a law in the books on in Germany that big companies actually have to have a labor representative on the board of directors. And as I noted during our backstage segment available to Bill Little members only, uh, you didn't see German and Japanese car makers going bankrupt in 2008. They're well-run companies that get along with their unions because in those countries, the union and the company are, uh, are they're, they're a team working together for, for the, the good of the company and the workers. In this country, uh, the labor laws we passed in the 1930s set the union opposed to the company so that the unions benefit is in sucking the company dry. And that's why there are hardly any union jobs left in this country anymore. Just another example of the law being an ass. So the issue at hand before the Supreme Court, unfortunately, is not the issue at hand. So this lousy law from 1925 is not going to get kicked in the, well, you know, so, Bill Whittle, um, there's since 1938 in the Wickard versus Filburn case before the Supreme Court, the court has decided to broaden the scope of Congress's power to regulate commerce to include not just commerce among the far, uh, with foreign nations or among the states or Indian tribes, but to include anything that affects commerce. Now, in 1925, when the Federal Arbitration Act passed, there was not this definition. And in fact, they they talked about engaging in commerce or being involved in commerce, not broadening it out to say, basically, anything you do could affect commerce. So therefore, uh, Congress can regulate that. And uh, a relatively conservative court by a 5-4 decision in 2001 in the Circuit City versus Adams case said, look, the original law said seamen and railroad workers and other 
other kinds of transportation workers, and you can't broaden that out any further. They didn't even have a vision of that kind of thing. Uh, it seems like some people are trying to have it both ways, Bill. They want to expand the Constitution to include all things uh, at some times and then contract it to say, basically, no, it's just transportation workers if you're not one of those. So where do you come down on this issue of uh, this is going to go into Congress's court, uh, ultimately, no matter what the Supreme Court decides. But would you be in favor of Congress saying, you know what, nobody should have to give up their right to sue in order to get a job? Let me just get a brief version of my Commerce Clause rant out of the way. Uh, <laughs> the, the, during Obamacare, the, the, when they were when when people ask, what right does Congress have to mandate one-sixth of the economy? You have to buy this thing. They said, well, the Commerce Clause in the Constitution. And they said, the Commerce Clause says that Congress shall regulate commerce among the states. But that's not what the Commerce Clause says. It says, Congress shall have the power to regulate commerce among the states, Indian tribes, and foreign powers, meaning regulate, meaning make equal. It meant that basically Michigan can't make a deal with, with Brazil that, 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 that Alabama can't. So if you're not a state and you're not an Indian tribe and you're not a foreign power, Congress has no power to regulate anything you do. And that just needs to be understood by Americans because this is the, this is the, the, the thing that allows Congress to do anything. It just gives them the power, constitutional power to do anything. Now that that's out of the way. To the specifics of the case here, um, the first thing I just want to deal with, because the thought process for me was interesting. Clearly, this person works in the transportation industry. And when you were thinking of, when you mentioned, well, she doesn't load the bag, so is she in the transportation industry? My two questions as her attorney would be, if the bags don't get on the airplane, does the airplane leave or not? That's my first uh, question. And my second question would be, um, uh, Mrs. Whatever your name is or Ms., uh, when you get one of these online things where you have to select your occupation, are you educator? Are you in entertainment? Are you in manufacturing? What do you use on this pull-down menu? I'm in transportation. Yes, you are. That's, that's, that's settled. My thought process on this was was interesting, at least to me. First of all, I think that, that the abundance of lawsuits have done enormous harm in this country. So anytime somebody's arguing that I should be able to sue, my gut level reactions to go against that. And my, my second reaction to it was, you may not like what's in this contract, ma'am, but that means you shouldn't have signed it. I have a very high level of... of uh, attraction to the idea that you should be responsible for your own decisions. And if you didn't like what was in the contract, then you shouldn't have signed the contract. That's where I started from. And then in our backstage show, which is absolutely fascinating for our members only, but you, so you probably wouldn't get a chance to see. Um, you said, well, you should give up your right to sue. And I said, you don't have a right to sue. And you said, yes, you do. And, and you have a right to redress your grievances. And I said, well, yes, of course you're right. You're absolutely right. So yes, it's, it's kind of, it, you, Look, from a from a natural law point of view, there are essentially three laws, right? Don't hurt anybody, don't take their stuff, and do what you promise to do. The first two are criminal law, the third one is tort law. You have to be able to live up to your contractual promises or else there is no society. When you sign a contract, you need to be able to be held responsible for that contract or else there's no society. But you're right, if you do have a right to sue for grievances, then, then a contract like this is asking you to give up your first or second or, or fifth amendment rights in order to work for that company. And I suspect on some level that is probably unconstitutional. You don't, I, I don't 
despite the fact that I, I'm still kind of firmly on this point of if you didn't like it, you shouldn't have, shouldn't have agreed to it. You did agree to it. So there you go. But again, you know, we're getting into an age now, Scott, where, where, where complexity is being added on purpose. For certain people, complexity is not a bug, it's a feature. How many times have I clicked the end user agreement on software without having the faintest idea of what I am, uh, uh, you know, basically contracting myself to do? So I think on some level, I'm gonna probably come down on the on the natural law side of this thing, on the human rights side of this thing, uh, and try to sweep all of this government and, and court stuff away. Do I have a right to seek legal action if I've been wronged? And the answer is yes, I do. And and so I think if it were up to me, I would. That's the side I would come down on. Uh, if I was looking for a compromise, I would probably say, well, you should. Why don't we do the arbitration first? And if you're unsatisfied with that result, then you can go to 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 uh, to the the you know private lawsuit. But ultimately, as much as I hate to admit it, you do have a right to sue people. And the fact that lawsuits are so overwhelmingly uh, multiplied in the last 20 or 30 years doesn't negate the right that I think you have to to have your wrongs addressed. Hey, uh, Scott, can I throw something ahead, in real Steve. quick? I'm sorry, I forgot to finish the thing about my, my uncle working for the, the, the right to work thing. Uh, he required while he was volunteering that summer, a police officer to get him from the front door to his car every morning because there were union thugs waiting for him at the bottom of the driveway who one day made a veiled threat against my seven-year-old life at the time. That is my nice anti-union cred. I hate these guys. I do too. Nobody's arguing that it's that offering the option of voluntary arbitration is a bad idea. Um, and the, the question is, should it be mandatory? And in fact, mandatory before anything bad happens. You know, there was a, an episode with Jesus where he said, it's a good idea to settle with your adversary before you get to court because things could turn out badly for you and you may wind up losing everything you have if you insist on pressing your case. And most people, normal human beings, would like to avoid going to court, but they don't want to be forced to avoid going to court. They don't want to be compelled by their employer as a condition of employment. And I could say, as I, as Bill mentioned, like it would be a reasonable argument to say, well, just don't sign the agreement, go work for somebody else. Have you read everybody's agreements? They all say it. <laughs> and in fact, probably your iPhone agreement says the same thing, that you agree by upgrading your software, that you're not going to sue Apple, that you'll go through an arbitration process. I'm just guessing that that's and in there. And they own my DNA too, probably. Yeah, they probably right. do. So in any case, it, you know, that's not the issue. I think that if you're going to work for a company, and these days companies are begging, are incentivizing, are bribing people to come to work for them. Companies, once you get there, give an orientation period where they talk about what a great family they are and how everybody likes to help one another and we all work together and we all have a common vision and a goal and isn't it special to work here? And you know, on Glassdoor.com, we're rated such and such because it's a great place to work. All companies are bragging about this. 
wouldn't it be an even greater place to work if as a condition of your employment, we didn't say, hey, look, just in case we screw you or you think we did, uh, you may not sue us. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's like the worst prenuptial agreement in the world. It's coming in advance to basically say, we're pretty sure things could go badly here. So we'd just like you to give up uh, any reasonable rights. And the idea that, uh, you know, if we send you to arbitration, then we have better odds of winning. And we also have better odds, even if you win, of paying you a lot less money. Um, if you're a company CEO or running one of these corporations, I know you're sick of the lawsuits. I know there are frivolous lawsuits. I know that there are people who are looking for places to go to sue people. But those are a tiny minority of the people and shouldn't guide your behavior with the rest. I think if you go in as a company with the approach that we want to treat our people well, if a dispute comes up, we will say, would you like to do this through arbitration with an unbiased third-party arbitrator, or would you like to go to court? It's probably cheaper to go to arbitration. It would seem like an, uh, an appealing option. All that's good. And if you want to be a responsible corporate CEO, that's the way you should move your company toward something where you're not binding people to something that takes away their rights, but you're telling people in advance, we love you. We want to treat you well. We say you're part of the family. We're going to try to treat you as part of the family, not be constantly on the lookout for people who are trying to screw us that we bring on board through our very detailed six interview uh, hiring process. <laughs> so the Supreme Court is not going to decide on all of these issues. Um, the most significant case, they could render a narrow decision in South Southwest Airlines versus Saxon that simply says a person who unloads airplanes is a transportation worker or is not a transportation worker, but they could go broader and basically say, look, arbitration is a good idea, but like everything else in the United States, good ideas tend to be voluntary, not mandatory. For Bill Whittle and Stephen Green, I'm Scott Ott. Thanks to the members at BillWhittle.com for making Right Angle possible. 